You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Explain here in a second. Uh, I'm Jeff. There is Ira and Tom Lang filling in for Corey Clark. Corey is perhaps puking somewhere. It's been, uh, it's been, it's, it's been, a, it's been a hostile takeover. <laughs> Tom Lang is, uh, is our captain now. Oh, man. All right, so let me explain. There's a couple things going on simultaneously before we say yay sausage. Uh, you can see if you're watching on Warchant TV, first of all, thanks so much as always. Like and subscribe. But you'll see we've got a little bit different setup with the cameras. Uh, I think this is going to work. I'm excited about it. Uh, you can see we're in boxes here, but we're all in the same room here. We're all in the same room. Tom's right there like he would normally be if this was the JCS. Uh, and, and Ira's directly across from me. I could reach out and touch him. You could almost probably see my hand if I wanted to. Yeah, we're right there. The, the best part about this is that Corey was the squeaky wheel that got the grease. Corey's yeah. been complaining about Well, he's, you how know, he's vain. He didn't like the fact that we weren't getting his best side. He wasn't getting the, the, the straight-ahead Look yeah, ahead angle, yeah. and so uh, we've we've upgraded, we've uh, improved the uh, facilities in here, and then he goes and gets sick. Yeah, very first time out the box with a new setup, uh, he gets sick. So anyhow, those of you watching, this is obviously for you. You can see that it's a little bit different. Uh, but Corey did is is literally quite. It's one of these classic uh, sick today. So he is out today. We don't want him anywhere around us when he's uh, puking. <laughs> I don't anyhow. Uh, that's one thing that's improved yeah. since the pandemic. Is everybody understands it's okay right. to stay home. If you're sick, you keep your ass at the house. I don't know. I think he wanted us to be the trial balloons to see if the new setup worked. <laughs> and then now that he's satisfied, he's going to show up for the second. He, segment. he may show up. Yeah, in the, oh, he's, yes. oh, Kirk Gibson. Like, he's oh, gonna, yeah, he's got Kirk Gibson us in the third segment he'll go you nailed it lang you nailed it (laughs) and then he'll sit down so this is a pseudo jeff cameron show slash seminal headlines we uh we we have the crew plus ira if you will in that sense uh because tom and i are here every day so there's that and now i should say thanks to register sausage as we get things started today and once again i'll pay attention to the video because you'll see uh, a 30 percent savings for headliners through sunday and you'll see the promo code is Lonnie, as it should be. That would be uh, to celebrate the Seminole softball team taking on Florida this week. Oh, yeah. Ben called me this morning and said, I, we need to do a promo code for FSU softball. Sure. They're 45-5. and five. Dang. They just dominate everybody they play. They're about, they just beat a bunch of ranked teams. I think they're now 12-2 and two on the season against ranked teams, there something like that. Mm-hmm. They got a chance to sweep Florida. They beat Florida tomorrow night. It'll be a sweep of the Gators, which... Doesn't happen very often. That's a very good softball team. They beat them earlier this season. And uh, so we came up with the promo code Lonnie, L-O-N-N-I. And uh, Ben's going to give 30% off at registermeats.com if you order anything you want. Order it all. Order all the different varieties they have. <laughs> and he's going to honor the 30% off on all of your purchase until uh, this through this Sunday. 
So take advantage of that. So indeed, at that point, I would say, yay, sausage. <laughs> We're all saying yay, yeah, sausage. Yeah, that's good. At 30% off for yay, sausage. That's going to do it. And that's a topic uh, near and dear to, to Tom's heart. Tom's a big FSU softball fan. Yeah, I am indeed. Yeah. I, can I say that? I'm part of the club. I'm part of the club down there. I like them. Yeah. Well, they're easy to like. They yeah. win a lot. And Lonnie's awesome. And the girls are exciting to watch play. Uh, they're athletic. They are uh intense in a good like i want my teams to have some what for as i like to say and they have a ton of what for you see it every game uh i love them i love them too and in the sport and i've talked about this a lot i've had to come a long way but that sport came a long way and i met them in the middle that sport is fun to watch now and I, i i say that because i caught myself watching a game softball uh, without Florida State in it. I was flipping around, and I caught myself watching a couple innings. That would have never, ever, <laughs> yeah. ever, ever happened. Slap bun arrow. No, couldn't do it. Couldn't do well, it. Well, it got the edge to him, but then also, in the biggest moments of the game, they're just smiling and right. laughing. Oh, I have what fun. is this? How is this possible? You can be both? They are both. I'm envious of it. I wish – I mean, a lot of people talk about the psyche of, of athletics and athletes in general, and it, whether it be individual sports or team sports, and I have to explore this a lot – with the golf stuff that I do on SiriusXM, and Trey is forever talking to me about that, about meeting the moment, understanding the magnitude of the moment, but also trying to have fun. Like, this is the stuff you prepared for, these to put yourself in these positions. So few people can do that. That softball team does do it. Almost, I was going to say to a man, but to a woman. They do do that. And it's the combination of, A, being really good, but B, being so prepared. Yeah. You know, it's funny, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, just finished up her senior thesis in college, and all the professors told her how well she like they couldn't believe how like together she was she answered every question mm-hmm. everything they threw at her she just bam 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 so confident and that's not really her she's not a public speaker but she knew this she front and back she knew the information the yeah. and it just speaks to the power of preparation and when you're in those moments another guy i think of um raekwon evans at the free throw line you know he raekwon evans may not have been the best basketball player right. not one of the best point guards in the country but if you put him on the free throw line, man, it was he had that look that you see from that softball team. He had no doubt he was going to knock down those free throws. Some people never get there. It is it's crazy. Even some professionals mm-hmm. never get there. Their talent gets them, their hard work gets them there, but they never find the mental side of things to to a point where they can relish the opportunity. I think you have to want to be there. I think you have to want to hit that shot, hit that free throw, make that play, whatever it might be, execute that pitch have that A-B, I think you have to want to do that. And I think there are people who, no matter their talent, would rather not be in that position. And if you flinch even a little bit, the chances of consistently having success with that are pretty small. So it's it's really cool if you have a collection of people and to where like the vast majority of them you can tell, oh, I get a chance to shine here. I get a chance to execute what I've wanted to do. That's just a great – well, it's a great job of recruiting, evaluating, figuring out who does have that. Coaches look for those things too in addition to the physical. Yeah, it's the culture. It's the culture that you sure. build. I mean, we know, just uh, as a JCS example, we bring up Lee Westwood all the time, PGA Tour professional. Well, if Lee Westwood has a two-footer and it really matters, it's still a two-footer, but it's not going in. It's, it's, it's never going in. It's a toughie. Like, it's a toughie well, yeah. the, the problem is you, some people, again, they remember the failures, and that's oh, kind of yeah. the whole thing. Remember you know, when Jimbo brought in uh, Trevor Moad, may he rest in peace, the mental conditioning expert that he had and was part of that program in the early 2010s. Um, one of the things that he stressed was it's always everything's positive, and he didn't like the term sports psychology because that kind of the connotation was you're trying to get over something. You're trying to, and his thing was, and what he the message he gave to all FSU's players was, and he would give these CDs and uh, 
DVDs of, to all these positive moments to just build that mindset for EJ Manuel, Chris Thompson, those Christian Ponder, and those guys, and it worked. I mean, it, it there's something to that. Just like when you're out playing golf and you you don't think, don't hit it in the water. Right. You visualize where it's going. Where to should go. I land this? Yeah. And and, and the the great ones can do that consistently. Jimmy Johnson, I hate to give him that much credit, but he was way ahead of his time. I remember a 60 Minutes or a 2020 interview. Where he was at the height of his game, the zenith of his powers, right? And he, he he was in Dallas when they were winning Super Bowls, right? And he said he's never told a running back, whether it was in college or pros, don't fumble. Don't fumble. He's never said that. Like You never introduced the idea of a negative. It's, it's a fun topic. Like You go on this for hours and hours and hours. Well, that, and that's why I didn't like Ja'Kai Douglas talking about the catch against Miami and he, because he said that his whole mindset the whole way down the field was don't drop it, and he almost he dropped almost it. Dropped he tried it. to. When yeah. you watch, <laughs> when you watch it, he did almost yeah. drop it. It, it actually kind of like ah, that was those weren't the friendliest receptors yeah. of a football no, I've ever seen. It was like ah. it was almost uh, yeah the Jacksonville State moment too. You know the fourth down with McKenzie. It almost uh, was a redux of that play. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's unsettling. All right, so. This has been an interesting uh, week, and let's just kind of go back since we last got together. We were talking at length the last time we got together, anyhow, about a couple things, uh, one of them being the baseball team and how schizophrenic they can be, but how they're fully capable of beating really good teams. And if you look at their record against top 25 teams, that's exactly what they've done. They've beaten down some of the best teams in the country, and at times they've done it very convincingly. This weekend proved to be another one of those moments, and it was perfect because they got both the pitching and, well, we didn't count the last game, unfortunately, but... They got both the pitching, but the bats came alive. The ABs were better, and the consistency, it was all there, and they take down TCU. Who knows? They may have ended up sweeping that series. Uh, They were up in Game 3 before the rains came, but they get the two wins there. That vaults them back into a top 15 RPI, top 12 RPI. Now they get an opportunity. Well, it's tough here for this stretch of games. It's not great games with Stetson and and this weekend, but after that, you know, you got a series against Miami, which is going to end up being huge. Um, I don't know what to make of them except to say – that when they play well, they're capable of beating anybody in the country. And when they go through the motions and or play poorly against these teams that are unranked, they lose to them consistently. I will say that it's been kind of consistent throughout the season that they don't stay down necessarily if they're behind. You know, they will come back. They've blown a lot of leads. Sure. They've lost a lot of games late because of the bullpen issues but or defensive issues. But it's not like this is a team that, man, if you get up two runs on this team, they're done. They, right. they, no, they will play. battle back, yeah. which is a really good sign, especially you know with the front-end pitching. Well, if you think about it, that part of it, there's the good, the bad, and everything in between with every coach in any sport or player or person, for that matter. That is the good of Mike Martin Jr., the competitor, right? I do think that there's red ass throughout this team because he's a red ass. And he, he said from day one that, that that was going to be – who they were, and I think they take it at times a little further than I would like. I mean, it's not it's not always fun to look well, no at. Thinking about it, they do. <laughs> Terrell, Terrell throwing the bat into the dugout. Yeah, I mean, just some stuff like that every now and again, right? But that's who they are, and that does speak to toughness. They do have that, and um, they have other aspects of, of what they do that I don't like. But there is a toughness to them. And now I'm 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 just it's weird because baseball's that sport you can't all or nothing it from week to week. So. They're, they're an odd team that may end up playing exceptionally well. We touched on softball a moment ago. And then, of course, you wrote the article, and we talked about it briefly yesterday on the JCS. But the draft happened, and Florida State had one player drafted, and he was a transfer. And it's just – I think the collective fan base, again, is reminded of how far they have to go. I would also point out, while I'm promoting Warchant.com, uh, that 
Corey Clark's piece is up with he and Mike Norvell speaking about uh, Coach Norvell's answer to his question a year ago and um, and what he thought about uh, what he was saying at that moment. And it's a it's a good watch and it's a good read. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up. I know we were going to talk about it. I'm sad that Corey's not. Well, I'm not sad that Corey's not here. I'm sad that he's sick. I'm sad that he's sick, but he would have celebrated his question yet again, which has now been done 57 <laughs> ways to Sunday, <laughs> which he did exactly in that column. Yes, uh, a little bit of tongue in cheek, but um. Yeah, no, people, uh, I would really encourage you to go watch that video. He's got a column with it as well. You can read it at WarChamp, but also the video. The video is the best thing. It's uh, it's him sitting down with Mike Norvell, going back through that question, and then talking through his mindset as he was answering the question. For people that don't remember, I'm sure anybody listening to this probably does, but it was after their 0-4. They lost to Louisville, uh, had really that ugly first half where they were down 31-7. They come back, make it a game, but fall to 0-4, and Corey asked him, what is it? You know what are you telling recruits at this point? And uh, he went on a five minute. Some people called it a rant. I'd I don't. It diatribe. wasn't a rant. Yeah, yeah. diatribe is a good word for it. Uh, where were you when I was editing a story? I, I think I, you, I went with speech. I should have gone with diatribe. Certainly text. Put him I'm in here the, for you. Put him in the rotation as copy editor. Come on, <laughs> Tom's Tom's already in. The, Tom's yeah. first out of the bullpen. Now I now I know I got a crafty right hander out of I'm the here for you, But um, but yeah, it was it was a diatribe, and it was it was good. I mean, it was it was it resonated with the fan base. I think it also resonated with the players at the time. I think the players were retweeting it and sharing, like, "Hey, that's our guy." And it, I'm not—I don't believe it turned around the season, but I think it was indicative of um, what the players see out of Mike Norvell, and, and it was a chance for the fans to see it. And even the media—we're out there all the time, but it's hard to convey the way he is. But that is one of the things he said: is if you're at practice at 7 a.m., this is who you see. And if you're, if you're uh, at the end of a loss or at halftime of a loss, this is who you see. And I think that resonated to the fans in a big way. It's also 100% accurate. And I, and I think it's one of the reasons, like if you remove, look, Tom and I are not objective about this as Knowles, but I would say that even if I wasn't, if I just had come here to work solely and, and, and just watch this program so that I could report on it, talk about it, show context, whatever, he's an eminently likable coach because I think he's a good coach. It may not work out here. It may not. I, I hope so. Doesn't always work out for guys, you know? I mean, if they have a bad season this year, I'm here to tell you I don't think it's going to work out for him. But he is consistent, wildly consistent, and that messaging that he has taken on from day one has remained consistent across all of his coaches and their preparation and his interactions with all players. You want that rewarded. I want that rewarded in the workplace. I want that with guys that show up every day and bust their ass to make it right. I want them to have success. We've all been around the guys that are wildly inconsistent in any line of work. The guys who don't show up every day, who you have to worry about whether or not they're going to get the job done. Like that, This coach isn't that guy. He's the guy that's showing up every day. Now, hopefully it gets done. But I like that that answer, this video, the consistency of message, it's always it's omnipresent. We see it all the time. I just hope it works out. Yeah, the thing that stuck out to me was uh, one moment where they're going back and forth, and he says, I've only had three losing seasons in my life. 35 years. Two of them are here at Florida State. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah, the fans yeah. are like, we know. Yeah, we we got you on that yeah. one. Yeah, no, we're 100%. well aware of the seasons <laughs> that you've lost. Yes, yeah. but he is wound that tightly and intense. He's got that intensity about him, even around the the Moore Center. Like I remember before spring practice started, actually, I was in the elevator and they they kind of were like, oh, there's a media member. It was him and Derek were getting there because it was before his his opening press conference. I think they wanted just a moment to be able to collect themselves. And he's like, they come in, they trudge in. And we had crosstalk, and it was fine for whatever it was, three floors. But uh, he is that guy. Oh. He's the guy that's on that video with Corey. He's that guy that was in uh, that, that viral video. 
Like sometimes he goes when he talks to the media and kind of turns it off and you don't see as much intensity. You see some monotone, but truly when the camera's on and off, for the most part, he is an intense dude. And here's what what, the other side of it. And the reason that's so important, because that's how Jimbo was years one through five or six. And that's who he was until he lost his way. And then he lost his way and started accepting a lot of things and letting a lot of things go. The program started to slide. Then he tried to kind of ratchet it back Couldn't up. Do it. And you can't do it can't once do you it. once you've once you've deviated, mm-hmm. you can't get back in that line no matter how hard you try. And I think that's why it's important, even when you're 0 and 4, to not change things up because then that sends a symbol to I mean, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's trying something new every other week. Yeah, I was gonna say it shows that you don't believe what you right. preach. And the second somebody cannot trust you, which is what would happen if your if your word is not believable uh the second that you show that weakness or that inconsistency uh or the willingness to acquiesce to failure uh then then guys will follow suit and you can't have that and, and so that you know listen they, they've made some colossal errors here the jacksonville state right. game will always linger over them it was it, good to hear him say that right yeah he did yeah he, yeah he did. he's I mean, like he that'll i forgot how he phrased it but he said something like yeah, that's awful, and that will be with us forever. Basically. He will. He yeah. knows. I mean, he's a realist. I think right. he's pragmatic in that way. He knows because that that was an inexcusable moment, and it's good to once again the consistency there of accepting that, understanding that that you, you're responsible for that. Right. Now, if they go on to win 11 games, let's say sometime really soon, let's hope, knock on wood, he'd still have that haunting and hanging over them. It will always bother him. Hopefully, there's many more positives along the way so that it's a distant memory, but it will always <laughs> be there. And and by the way. This isn't to take a shot at Jimbo, of which I've taken taken tons. Um, You know, I remember after the Boston College effort, the non-effort. Was that a Friday night game? Whatever. It was a night. Yes, it was a Friday night game. There was they weren't trying, and they got bludgeoned. Nobody wanted to be there, including him. the The aftermath of that, when I interviewed him on that Sunday, he owned it during the conversation. It was so crazy because he owned it to you, but then tried to defend it on Monday went and reversed course on the Monday. Yeah. To me on that Sunday, he said, that's never happened since I've been here. This disgusts me. I can't believe it happened. It's unacceptable. It's never happened before. It'll never happen again. I can't. You know, what All of yeah. that. Owned all of it. That Monday, it was a deflection fest, and he was in denial that they quit, never showed up, however you want to phrase it. I, we already knew there were indicators that there were problems and that this plane was going in the side of the mountain. That, that secured it for me. I'm like, okay, well. From from Sunday to Monday, we're just going to change how we feel about this thing. So yeah, you, that you can't do that. You can't do Same that. Same thing happened with NC State in twelve. Oh yeah, that well, Monday presser was the execution, but not the Sunday night interview. The Sunday interview was fine. He's like, "What do you want to talk about? Ask me as many questions as you want." Because he was sometimes he'd be great after a loss, and that's the way he was with your one on one. But then a Monday was execution <laughs> fest. <laughs> that was. That's I, like, I, still, okay. I still wish we had that video. Yeah, Paul Thomas put together the video of all the times he used execution or execute, blaming it all on the players. And he had it, and he did. We didn't run. I think you know, Gene decided might not be a great idea it's to aggressive. run that video. It's a little aggressive, <laughs> but it was. Incredible. We were all in the same room. I was in the room with you. Yeah. Then when that happened, when the when when the press conference happened, yeah. and if you can remember the collective disbelief Every of question. everybody in the room yeah. after he left the room, everybody went, "What just happened here?" <laughs> he just basically said, "Look, I'm a great coach. These players suck." <laughs> That's what he might as well have said. Some of the headlines. Ninety-three three Real Talk Radio. War Chat TV continues in a moment. Ho ho ho. Horizons, it took, bar and grill. It took all the strength I had not to interrupt you, turn off your mic, and go home. Do you like how I closed my eyes when I sang? Too? Oh, believe me, that was the best part. I didn't look at it, thankfully. It was unbelievable. He looked like like Al Jarreau or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Luther Vandross. Well, he was making sure it was there. I want to apologize to Horizon Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, Their delicious food uh, should not be overlooked by Corey's singing. Man, that's a great jingle game. The restaurant itself. Uh, but Horizons Bar and Grill is where, Ira? Bannerman Crossing. You're damn right Northeast it is. Tallahassee mm. off Thomasville Road and Bannerman Road. It's, uh, man, it's just, it's incredible food, incredible people, incredible beers. It's spirits. where we are a lot. We're, hey, before a, the end of the group. week, fellas, uh, any week, like you could be listening to this six weeks from yeah. now, let's let's all get together at Horizons Bar and Grill. We're there a lot. We really are. So if you want to see this in person, this trio <laughs> Never in person. Never mind the food. You get to see the three of us. But yeah, the food and the, the drinks, the, the patio, it's all good, man. It's all working. If it's you, all working at And Horizons. if you sing the theme song, they'll give you some free food, I think. I think you get the bill is paid for if you sing the song. But with, you have to sing it like I do. And with, tell them Corey's saying With a bar tab. Yes. It's amazing. Correct. It's incredible. It's it incredible. Keeps growing. They're yes. so kind. Seminal Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. A little bit different version of Seminal Headlines today. Of course, Ira and I always part of that. Tom sitting in for an alien Corey Clark. Hope you're doing better, Corey. Feel better, buddy. Uh, and all, we joke a lot, but obviously not feeling well. He's under the weather, couldn't come in today. So Tom is filling in, and we'll get to your headliner questions in the second hour as well. I guess now all the thoughts are on what's going to happen in the transfer portal for Florida State. And I know, Ira, as we go through into the summer months, I know you're doing a feature on, on each segment group, and that'll vary. Uh, I know you did running backs this time around, uh, and and I think it's important that we because you and I had this discussion yesterday that as we do this in comparison to what came up, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we give out grades in comparison to what? Yeah, kind of the idea with this feature, and Tom's doing videos that go with them. Yep. So people, the Warchant TV audience, can make sure to, to watch those videos. Um, they'll be similar, but some some slight additions uh, in the between the written one and the video, but. Um, uh, one of the things we wanted to do is just kind of assess where they're at. Like, what what does this group look like? Uh, how much talent and experience do they have? What else do they possibly need? Is this a position where they need maybe to go get somebody in the transfer portal? And then also kind of give an, an evaluation of a grade, something subjective. You know, we could talk through it of, of what, what this team looks like, what this position looks like in comparison to the rest of the ACC. So we gave the running back group a B, which I think, you know, when I first said a B, I, I mentioned to you a B. You kind of raise your eyebrows because in the world of college football, yeah, it wouldn't be. It a B. may not be a B. Right. It's probably more like a C, C plus, plus somewhere, in, somewhere in that ballpark. But in the in the ACC, I think it's it's safely in that B range. We're talking about maybe maybe somewhere between like three and five, two and five, three and five of the ACC teams. This running back group, and it could be better. I mean, Trey Benson could be better than we expect, but it took Trey Benson being really good this spring, spring for us to. To think it's a B, if not, because that was a position we were all concerned about coming into the spring. It's actually exciting, right? Because I'll say this, Tom, real quick. You and I talked about this on the show. I I went into camp really quite worried about the running back position. I, I thought, man, I, A, I don't know. We got a kid coming in here as a transfer with a knee injury, off of a knee injury. So we'll see if he's all the way back or if he's close to being all the way back. I love the story that is Treshawn Ward. I think that's a great story. He's an easy kid to root for. He has value. He's a nice player. Yeah, he's a nice player. He's a he's a nice player. That's a way. That's a good way of describing it. But you know, Lawrence Toafili, he's not big enough. He's a he's a splash player. He's a kid that if you catch him in space, he's got a chance to make a big play. Wildly inconsistent a year ago. Really didn't ever catch on and take that next step. He's still not big enough in my eyes, just at camp. I do think he offers you something, but you have to really 
kind of designed certain packages for him, right? And then from there, I don't know that there's consistency, whether it's Williams or Campbell or any of these guys that we would go on to say we like. I mean, I like uh, Rodney Hill. I like guys like that. I mean, it's been fun watching some of these guys. But we don't really know what we have week in and week out with those guys. And so I would have said that compared nationally to the better football teams, this this was a a kind of a weak link on the team. Coming out of camp, Trayshawn Ward was better, and he was good at the end of last year, and he was better in camp because he feels the pressure of Benson, who really showed out. Plus the the confidence to know he's done it. He's done it, yeah. He he ran for 600 yards last year. He's he's had success in college football. He's a tough kid, too, man. He's tough, Very. and he really cares. So he's always going to work. But Benson, to me, jumped off the page. He was one of the first guys in camp. We went, oh, I see why they brought him in. And then when he showed that top end speed to go with that size, he's got some what for to finish runs when we see him in pads as well. Yeah, man, if that guy's healthy and then Trayshawn's a change of pace, that's a better unit than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, with Benson, what's interesting to me is just how patient he is at that size. Usually a, a back who is 6'1 and all of 215 pounds, you think that they're just going to, you know, they'll hit the hole first and ask questions later. James Wilder. Right, exactly, in. yes, yes. But Benson also shows a, a combination of the speed, the toughness, but then also the patience required, especially in the system. The thing that, to me, if you're just grading on athleticism at the position, yeah, I think it's a B. But if you put that together with this scheme, that with That's a good r- point. running backs, including one who just, you know, he didn't get drafted, and Jay Sean Corbin, I saw he got a, I think it's $110,000 guaranteed from the Giants, which is a pretty good a haul for an undrafted free agent. But a player like that, you turn him into a home run threat? Somebody who can't be drafted, you know, seven rounds by the NFL, but he's a home run threat. You put that scheme together with these players, especially with what Trey Benson might be, and you might be trending towards a B plus. The scheme and Jordan Travis and Jordan Travis, the, yes. his running up a lot of the, yeah. yeah, and the conflict he puts defenses in, and and that plus the scheme plus the things they do from blocking, it's a really good marriage, and it's why they could be. I think they finished like fifth in the conference in rushing last year. They could finish top two or three, even throwing the ball more often. Because of all of that, I mean, it could be a really good group. I just, it's, there's still not like a lot of elite guys. Now, Trey Benson may end up being an elite guy, right, right. but he's had how many yards of college football? Right. 20 or something? I mean, he hasn't done it yet. But he certainly looks different. That's the thing. His, <laughs> yeah. Everything about him looks different than the other dudes on the roster. And the point, both of you guys saying that about him looking different, how, how, infrequently have we said that about offensive additions oh, to this sure. football team. Yeah, absolutely. Because even guys have gotten drafted the last four or five years, it's almost always been defensive guys. Very rarely have they – Auden Tate was the only offensive skill position guy in the last, I don't know, almost a decade. And uh, he, you know, he was a seventh-round wide receiver. Time for our weekly thank you, Joel Davis moment of the program. So Joel. that would be a doffing of the cap for the two of us wearing caps today. Uh, he writes, Norvell has proven he can score points even with lesser talent he had in previous years. So if it's true defense wins championship, it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, I, I think they're getting better. I, I continue to repeat myself on that front because I am apt to point out areas of weakness consistently. I don't want us to start to think that we're something we're not or to project to the fans that Florida State is about to be a 10-win team when they're not. <laughs> I think that their their frontline talent, in terms of the 22 starters, is better, as it should be, year to year, right? They're getting better players. But they are still awfully thin in areas when it comes to quality depth. They don't have as much of that right now that they need. And football's a game, a war of attrition, as they say. Guys are going to get hurt. And we all know in this room, and I think Florida State fans everywhere understand this, if Florida State has one or two offensive linemen go down, guys, all of this other stuff matters not at all. 
They're screwed. They're screwed. I'm watching closely. The portal. <laughs> the portal, guys. Get me serviceable backups. It'd be great if you found another starter like you did a year ago in the portal. Uh, obviously, when we go back and look at it, and you and I first guessed this, and we can tease him because he's not here. Corey didn't think it was going to matter much. But when you bring in a guy who's your who ends up being your best offensive lineman in the offseason, obviously that's a huge boon. You can't always trust that. But if you get something akin to a quality backup, then you have a chance to sustain an injury or two for a game or two and maybe maybe not fall off a cliff. Well, I think where they we saw that this spring with the wide receiver position, they went out and got four Power Five transfer wide receivers. One of them, Winston Wright, goes down and may not be available. Tragic. Man. Now all of a sudden you're like, man, you're 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 really thin at wide receiver again. In terms of, I mean, you've got a couple guys that you like, but you don't have a lot of guys that you like. No. And so that's a position that you're still now. There's some younger guys that could keep coming. And maybe they'll get some more out of those guys. But but in terms of proven wide receivers, you don't have a ton after those first two or three guys. And then you know, look on defense, you know, if anything happens at defensive end, you don't have a lot of depth there. Anything happens at cornerback. I mean, I think that's the one position uh, some people are a little surprised that they're they're targeting a uh, junior college cornerback who's uh, on campus this week. Uh, I believe he's on campus this week. I think that's what Michael reported for an official visit. And I think a lot of people think, oh, man, we've, we're so loaded in the secondary not really at that other cornerback spot. I mean, what we saw in the spring was a lot of Renardo Green, a lot of uh, Greedy Vance, the young guys. Um, but it's not – There's. I don't know that you feel great about that other corner position opposite Duke Cooper. So that's the position. If you if this kid's really good, then maybe it makes sense. I wouldn't have thought a corner would have been how you used one of those few transfer spots you've got. But if you, if you want to be good there, you might have to do it. Greedy Vance is too handsy for me, man. That's going to be a problem with the way the ACC calls football. In this league, yeah. yeah in this league, problem. they call everything. And so he's way too handsy for my taste. And, and he's not elite. Uh, Renato Green, good for him t- accepting the challenge, performing much better. Is he going to be an elite corner for you? No. Is he going to be serviceable, maybe slightly above serviceable? He's not going to, get, he's not going to embarrass you there. Right. But, but he's I not going to be a game-changing player. Right. So I get it. But I think we're all really hyper-focusing on more of the positions in need that we talk to about wide receiver, offensive line, maybe a defensive end, maybe a linebacker, something like that. I mean, I think that's what we're looking at. If you've got upwards of five spots to fill, and they're going to make the numbers work however they make them work, but if you've got five spots to fill, then okay, go for a corner. If you, But if you've got like two or three, oh, man, that's, no, that's, that's a tough it. sell. i got I got to think they believe they're going to get four or five. Yeah. Um, because you got to think at least one – I mean – there's no chance they're not signing at least one offensive lineman. You're damn they're right. They're going to sign at least one offensive lineman. Yeah. If Jeff had his druthers, it would be three. Yeah, maybe but, all of them. <laughs> they're at least going to sign one. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you would think likely wide receiver, uh, poss- and then a pass rusher, possibly a linebacker. I would. The order, I think, would be offensive line, wide receiver, pass rusher, linebacker, and corner. Right, right. But, but it would be nice to have a really, really strong – if that kid's good, like he was a Juco All-American or something, it might be worth it. So here's a quick question then for fall camp. Um, if you were listing, say, a top three of guys you're watching the most closely, like as in they're important to the success two of the team. Two fingers to my eyes, two fingers back to you. Caden Lyles? Caden Lyles that has to huge be on in my the top list. three, well, right? Well, I walked out of spring bitterly disappointed at how little we saw of Caden Lyles. Now, there are but, reasons for and that. And I don't know that that's a, I don't know that it's a verdict. 
Correct. But it's definitely right. it's number just, very high on the list of things we're going to be By week two for. or week three yeah. of fall camp, you better be seeing yeah. you know, what, whatever it is that they I saw on him. I want to see his ass all in the yeah. rotation on a daily <laughs> his, basis. His wide, yeah. his wide ass. Yeah, yes, yes, giant ass. <laughs> He's, to celebrate a giant ass like that, it has to be actively participating <laughs> in what we're doing here. There's, yeah. a, there's plenty of smaller dudes standing yeah. on the sideline. I can Caden. see all the little asses over here I want. Let's get that big ass out there and do some things. Maybe even lining up next to him. Yeah, yeah there might be a little one. <laughs> Same <laughs> position. Seminole Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. War Chant TV continues in a moment. Hey, headliners and elite headliners. It's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy. All because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. Seminole Headlines is brought to you by Register Sausage, serving the Florida Panhandle and Lower Alabama for over 75 years. To find a store near you or to buy directly from Registers, head to registermeats.com. That's registermeats.com. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually going to jump in and say, don't forget the promo code. There you go. Please do. Lonnie, for Lonnie Alameda, FSU softball coach. Uh, Ben came through. Ben the Sausage Guy came through with the promo code. We mentioned it at the top of the show. want to mention it one more time. It's good through Sunday, 30% off of your order at registermeats.com. Or if you want to get it in person, the empire is growing throughout the southeast, and you can go to your local grocery store and ask for registered sausage. Who gets the unenviable task to write up the receiving group and grading them? (laughs) <laughs> we'll see. That was that was good. I think it was going to be Corey, but the way that he's under the weather, so I think I may jump in there. And mm. uh, yeah, that's going to be a tougher grade. That's probably not going to be quite as promising. It's, it's weird though. That position, you know. Again, we do like Micah Pittman. I do like Pokey. A lot. I like Pokey Wilson as a three. Is a you know yeah mm. as a complimentary piece. You know you don't necessarily want him. I mean, look, man. The last year or two, it's been him and Keyshawn Helton not good leading the show. So it's improved. But yeah, man, that's that's a that that receiver group was probably was it an F last year. Oh, it's easily an F last year. F, yeah, yeah, even in the I, ACC, and I think it's a D now. Mm. I'm sorry, right. I mean, it's not a good group. I mean, you may be right in this one. <laughs> I just like the way that Iris said it. he's a complimentary piece, like begrudgingly you know, like, <laughs> so. <laughs> I can make it work, buddy. Man, that's a tough. I'll make sure to quote that when I do the video. Like, I've got to do the voiceover the video. Yeah. Take the audio as a complimentary piece. Somebody calling you a complimentary piece is not necessarily a compliment. 
Not usually, uh, but it doesn't mean you can't play. It just means you're in your proper role right. now instead right. of being elevated to a place hey, that you need not be. As CY, Charlton Young, former FSU assistant coach, used to say, not everybody can be Michael. You need some Tito's. Yeah. You need some Jermaine. <laughs> everybody can't be Michael, oh. and uh, that's the case here. I think we need Micah to be Michael, and you probably need uh, a couple more of the, the, the five to show up as well. We did a video yesterday. It'll be coming out when? Uh, I think tomorrow or Thursday. Okay, yeah. so I want you guys, heads up, be on the lookout for that. Uh, myself and Gene and Corey and Ira uh, on on where we are, Transfer Portal, NIL, State of College Football, the fears specific to FSU in this new landscape, all of that. And I spent a lot of time, even after we got done with the video, thinking through the, the subject matter. And I think we all are on a fairly regular basis, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of just driving down the road thinking about wh- where's college football going because people are wringing the hands, I think sometimes maybe too much. Other times I think you're right to have real concerns, especially as it is specific to Florida State. You mentioned CY a moment ago. Let me take a right turn here quickly. I have said, and maybe it's just doom and gloom me again, that I th- there's an ominous sort of uh, cloud hanging over the basketball program for me right now in this new landscape. If you couple what's happened with the staff and, and, and what, what they've lost the last few years on that staff, and Leonard's age, which, look, call it ageism, whatever you want, it's coaching's pretty much a young man's game. He's going to be 74, and he looks 40, and that's great, but he's 74. And then NIL, where there are basketball programs, in particular in the ACC, that care greatly about whether or not their teams win, as opposed to, say, Florida State, which is, uh, make it work if you can, guys. It's the way that we approach basketball. I just see a dark horizon here, man. I don't think Florida State's basketball program, which has been eminently relevant year in and year out at the start of every season for the last handful-plus seasons, and even fairly upper echelon elite in the ACC the last five, six years until last year, I don't really see that happening moving forward right now, and I'm very, very concerned about it. Well, they haven't. They, you know, they have invested more in basketball the last seven, eight years than they did previously. Correct. You know, we've seen it. They bought the Civic Center. They refurbished it. It yeah. looks like a basketball arena now. They're, they've invested more in salaries, the commitment to Leonard Hamilton, his staff. I mean, they have put some things in place. The challenge now, and I think it's the point you bring up of Florida State basketball, is I think really um, encapsulates what's happening nationally is because people will say that players there have always been players that got paid, you know, and we've seen it. Florida State has tried to recruit some guys that look like they were coming to Florida State, got a little bit more to go elsewhere, and then a last minute, yeah. maybe not, you know, Adidas comes in or whatever, and they end up going to Kansas or wherever else. So we've seen that play out. But the difference between players and bagmen in college sports before this era is it wasn't everybody. It wasn't everybody, and and I could go back through the years. I used to, you know, and again, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. Players should have been getting paid the whole time, but I just think back to the hoopty that Ernie Sims drove around, or when I was covering UF, Kevin Carter drove like a little Dotson or something. I mean, the not every player Tate Black didn't show up to help out. He, he showed up some <laughs> other guys, but but that's and that's kind of how it yeah. was. The 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 cheating went on when players made it clear that they wanted something, right? And then they had a handout. Then there or their families or handlers or somebody, then that message would get back to people who wanted to help out the program. Yeah. And that's what, but it wasn't everybody. What's going to happen now is it is going to be everybody because mm-hmm. it's legal. So in pay for play is not legal, but basically everybody is pay for play. It's basically pay for play. So the problem, 
the reason I think FSU basketball is a perfect example is the resources probably aren't going to be there the way it is at, at other programs where maybe if even if you wanted to cheat, maybe they could go help you get one or two players. Right. But they're not going to be able to get you 10 or 12 no. compared to the way some of these other schools are. And I think that's that's the economy of scale, I think, is going to be the problem in this era. And I'm going to point something out here. In the era where we're already gravely concerned about the disproportionate funds that the SEC has because right. of their television contract and that the Big Ten has and will have even more of when this next deal is announced, okay? We're already seeing the direct result of the excess cash. We're seeing it in facilities, and we're seeing it in success on and off the court and field, and it's only going to grow. And if you don't believe me, I love the NFL draft. Go back and look at who was drafted. The SEC, which is always number one in draft picks, we don't. Nobody argues that that's the deepest league. Not like this, though. They had sixty-five players. They were okay. So I'm going to give you the totals. All right, sixty-five players drafted out of the SEC. The next best was the Big Ten. Go figure. The two cash cows, forty-eight. The next closest team uh, conference was the Pac-12 with twenty-five. Twenty-five is just over half of what the Big Ten had, and that's. 60% of what the SEC had. Right. <laughs> so, after that, it's the Big 12 with 25. Well, wait till it happens in the basketball draft with the SEC. No, and that's... Because that's what's coming. And that's that what, is that, my point. This past season, and I know the SEC didn't do well in the in the NCAA tournament. That's fine. But what you got a glimpse of by some of the coaches that they've hired and some You're of the right. players they've Where acquired... Where going? ...is the ACC's always been able to cling to, well, we got college basketball. Not that it's going to matter financially, but we've got college basketball. Well, with the excess money they've got... With their spare change they've got laying around, they just can decide, you know what? No, we'll take college basketball, too. We'll get very serious about our facilities in baseball. We'll get very right. serious about our facilities in basketball. We'll get very serious about the quality of coaches we lure away from supposed basketball, storied basketball programs. We'll bring them here because we can. The, the disproportionate numbers we're already witnessing, which continue to grow year in and year out, are going to get worse. But when I saw those numbers specific to the SEC and the Big Ten, 65-48, and it falls off a cliff for the remaining Power 5 conferences. This is what's on the horizon, and Florida State basketball in particular, we may, as you point out, be able to cobble something together for football because right. we're invested in football in that way. And Rising Spear and other entities have stepped up to say, no, no, we're not going to sit idly by. Great, good. Man, I think everybody else is kind of screwed. I, I think you're starting to see that the potential for this to go the wrong direction long term for Florida State and other schools in the ACC, for that matter, you talked. I talked to my Clemson people. They're they're scared, and they've got money with the IPTA fund and all that. They've, but man, that the conference disparities in money, it's going to make all of the difference. Yeah, it's common sense. It's you know you're bringing in so much money on the university level, you don't necessarily need the boosters to help you. So where is it going to funnel to? And and that's what we're seeing now. I think Florida State may be in deep trouble when it comes to say a Capital One Cup, right? You know, like it, contending to be a top oh, right, ten athletic right, right, program right, or yeah. top fifteen athletic program in the country. But you could still probably pick and choose three or four programs. The question is to me, let's just say, and I've seen some reports out there, but let's just say that Rising Spear was able to collect, in a given year, pure example, $10 million, something like that. What percentage of that is going to basketball? Very really? Cool. I mean, honestly. And you make it a guy? 10%? I mean, that that's, seems like a lot. Yeah, that's probably high. 5%? And and what can you do with that 5%? That's the tough part. Yeah, and I think and ultimately and that's you know, look, man, we we talk about Florida State football because that's what pays the bills for everybody um and that's the main priority for most fans. But ultimately, this is really going to crush the the other sports because now with limited resources and then this battlefield that's been created 
by NIL in an open market with no restraints, everybody's going to marshal all the resources towards football. And those other sports are just going to have to get by. I mean, the, the concern that a lot of those other sports will become kind of club sports is 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 very concerned unless something changes and it doesn't seem like anything's on the horizon. I did enjoy, we had the interview last week. It was posted on Warchant TV and you can find it on YouTube right now. Uh, speaking with David Hale, right. you know, when he talked about every single day, quite literally every single day that goes by is another day closer to the ACC, seeing right. that contract value, getting to a place where maybe it's worth the risk to break the deal and <laughs> right. to say, you know what, screw this. I'm not going to sit idly by till 2035 or whatever right. it is and just wear this ass kicking. At some point, we're going to ask those that would have us to come on down and let's see if we can, you know, figure out a way to pay off what the remains. But I think the irony is it might be some of the basketball schools saying we can't be successful as basketball schools. Like if I'm North Carolina, you know that Big Ten would be really hot for North Carolina given the academic profile and you could insert your joke here about the fraud and all that stuff. But, I mean, you could see a school like North Carolina say, well, we can't compete in basketball anymore. We need to go to the SEC. I mean, how backwards or, or is that? Yeah. Yeah, how, no, yeah, or they, Big Ten. How, the irony of all of that is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah no, that's, and that's the thing. And I, re- I remember going back to when FSU signed the grant of rights, and everybody wants to complain about the grant of rights. This guy every day. Like everybody. And, and <laughs> I, I get it. And they should have negotiated better. But at the end of the day, the problem was the problem. The reason Florida State and Clemson they and, had to show a unified front so that they could have a network because North Carolina and Virginia were probably going to go to the the Big Ten. Yeah, and now what you've got it's Florida State, Clemson, and Wake, and you know Miami, Virginia guess, Tech. Yeah. I mean, so that once the ACC became destabilized, everybody kind of wanted to sign that deal just to have a place to land, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what what happened. But yeah, man, that's the the so David's point. I agree with him. He that's true. But really, man, everybody wants to see a shakeup. Everybody that cares about Florida State should want to see a complete shakeup of the entire thing, go to two mega conferences or four mega conferences, what it is, blow it all up. I think ESPN would have incentive to do it just because Yeah, they the, don't want the, the sport to decrease. They ha- yeah, they and they and they have invested in the ACC for better or worse. They are paying these schools. They don't want to see it fade to oblivion. So there's going to be incentive for a lot of people to maybe restructure. That, to me, is is the best hope. That's the hope for everybody who's not in either the Big Ten or the <laughs> right. SEC. The bottom line is you're going to have people fighting for streaming rights. You're already seeing it. Amazon, I mean, Facebook can do it. Twitter can do it. All these places want live sports because live sports is the only thing that pays the bills anymore. Everybody else DVRs. Well, they don't even DVR anymore. Everything's on demand, whatever you want. So the point is they're all going to want a piece of that, and they're not going to you know listen the only – there's only so many people that can have the SEC or the Big Ten, so these the, the viability of the other conferences come up if you do find a way out of these existing contracts. Yeah, it's the question is who's going to be the first to strike, and I, I think Ira's right. I, I think it's the TV execs. TV, has, they have to be driving this. It's in their vested interests, right. quite literally, in such a way that a lot of these contracts are signing with group of five uh, conferences or the ACC, which might be rendered a group of five in terms of viewership in the not-too-distant future. Why am I paying you this much? For this product, that's the question they're going to ask, and maybe they could be the ones to start that conversation. But in the point Gene has always made, which is accurate, is a lot of times TV execs, like executives in a lot of businesses, are thinking short term because that's what they're that's what they got to worry about their bottom line, their shareholders right today and ne- next year. So maybe they're not worried about ten years down the road, but somebody needs to be paying attention to that because it could put a lot of this sport in jeopardy. Well, it's fairly obvious that nobody was looking to the future. Nobody. The NCAA didn't heed warning after warning after warning that this was the path we were headed down. I mean, you go all the way back to the Ed O'Bannon situation. I mean, people were trying to say, look, man, if if the courts are going to rule against you, 
the writing is on the wall that this model will not sustain, and you're going to have to figure out a way to get out in front of this, or this is what we're going to have, and this is exactly what we have. I mean, at this point, I don't know. I took it all the way up. Yeah, here. two more minutes. Yeah, there you go. Well, what yeah. else you want to talk about? Well, the one thing I would want to say on that, and I, we touched about it in the video that, that we're going to put out, um, I, I don't know that it's a, you know, nobody's, a, we've all made this disclaimer a thousand times, nobody's against players getting paid. Of we all not. want that. They should have been getting paid. For years and years and years, going back to when college football became well, once the big. television became so exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so we're all behind that. The question is how how it's going to be structured and how it can work. I think the fans will accept even free agency to a degree because at some point, again, it happened in pro sports. I remember when it happened in the NFL, people would say, "Oh, I'm not going to watch it anymore. I don't know the players on the team." Well. There's still a lot of people that watch it. Yeah. The NFL makes a fortune, and there's players leaving teams every other year. So that, to me, I think fans and media will begin to accept that. The problem is, and the big concern right now is, it feels like other, the smaller schools or schools that aren't flush with cash won't be able to even compete. And at that point, how much fun is it? Well, you've and, already started going down that path. I mean, I, I think that's already the overriding concern, right? Like, why at the start of every year? I brought this up seven years ago, uh, and I, I was I was asking a question to a, a national audience because I really wanted to get a feel. I was like, how many people out of the South are watching college football as intently as they once did? And Because we all see where this is headed. And this was like seven years ago I was talking about this. It, the thought being that pretty much at the start of every year, you know, Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, you know, may, okay, so if we're going to move out of, the S, out of the South, you would say... Uh, Ohio State, that's it out of the Big Ten, and then maybe you would throw in an Oklahoma at that time. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's it, that's it. Nobody, in, else, nobody on the West no, Coast, nobody, nobody has in the a chance. That's it. Hour two, fourth coming. Headliner questions. Stay with.